Welcome to From There to Here with your host, Miranda Dekonski. Together, we'll explore our personal journeys and how they have impacted where we are today. We hope that you'll walk away inspired, motivated, energized, and knowing that there is no right or wrong path. Each path is uniquely our own. And now your host, Miranda. All right, everybody. Welcome. I'm Miranda Dekonski, and I am here with Shreesha Ramdas. He is the CEO and co-founder of Strike Deck that was acquired by Medallia. Uh, so he is now the SVP and general manager there. Shreesha, I am so excited to have you here. Um, I've known you for quite a few years now. I, I can't even think of how long, um, but we've got to be going on probably five years. Time goes by so quick. Um, and you're someone that I admire and respect so much. And I know a lot of folks in the customer success community think that way of you as well and beyond. Um, would love you just kind of tell us a little bit, a bit about you, um, who you are, what you do, and where you grew up, all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Miranda. And uh, it's been an honor knowing you for a long time. We've definitely crossed five years. I think we are coming on to seventh year. Probably, probably. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so um, I grew up uh, in India, um, started with Delhi and then moved to Bangalore. Uh, Bangalore is where all the software revolution has been happening. And so uh, got exposed to software. And in fact, you know, the fun fact is I I went into software engineering with knowing what a massive revolution it will be, right? Because when I went into software, there were hardly any computers out there. And um, uh, electronics engineering stream was the stream to be at. And people were saying, what are you going to do in this new world? What is computers going to do? And so, but I'm glad that I went into software engineering and and was there right at the beginning, right? Um, And then, um, uh, I don't know why, Miranda, but right from... um, early part of my career, it has always been about business. Um, You know, though I was studying engineering, I was always thinking about how do I apply in the business world? Did did not have any interest in in becoming a a hardcore engineering guy, right? Um, And then, um, yeah, and then, uh, you know, uh, started seeing what's, what's happening in the business world, got exposed to all the startup innovations happening in the Valley. And so I wanted to come to Valley. Um, and, and that was a plan. And so work towards it, uh, came to Valley and again, fortunate to get exposed to uh, a small startup, uh, which was Yodli. And, and there it just, uh, just uh, I just got this, this vision that this is where I belong to. The energy was so infectious. Uh, I felt like I'm, I'm maybe a misfit uh, in a corporate world, um, in a in a in a large enterprise. But startup is where where my mojo is, right? And so um, that's how I got inspired. Um, and uh, from from Yodley um, came out uh, and uh, heard that in order to be a complete entrepreneur, I need to understand the business side of it, the the marketing and sales side of it, not just engineering. Mutely as managing engineering. And so uh, did something that normally engineers won't do, which is start my uh, started my career again in some ways with cold calling. So started, picked up the phone. You really, you you started, you were calling, like dialing for dollars, cold calling? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I wanted to go through the experience in order to to understand sales better. Because as engineers, Miranda, and you will you will understand this when I say this. Uh, we always uh, used to curse the sales guys for bringing in bad deeds, right? So uh, you know, because we were asked to customize it, custom software, configure in a special way, uh, you know, build enhancements, and we used to the sales guys don't know what they are doing, right? And so when I went to the other side, I wanted to understand it from scratch, from the beginning, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that I did it because uh, when you cold call, that's when you understand all the, the prayers that sales guys have uh, in order to meet their numbers, in order to meet their quota and all of that. Do and you have, you know, during those times, I want to ask you a couple questions about cold calling because I, I've done it. Sure. Um, and it is way more difficult than anyone ever imagines. Um, not only are you putting yourself out there, you're putting yourself out there to um, fail multiple times before you succeed. Do you have any calls that you did when you were cold calling that you remember that stand out to you still to this day? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one, actually, uh, is my is my most memorable one. And uh, I still remember who I called uh, to, right? And it was... Uh, a company called Viacom, MTV Networks, and uh, Trish Burtuzzi. I still remember the name very, very well. I called and I was, uh, Miranda, I'll tell you, I was hoping it hits the voicemail. Uh, right? <laughs> You're like, please go right. to voicemail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Praying, right? Like people pray to for it to get picked up, but I'm here praying that it hits the voicemail. But to my horror, Trish actually picked up the phone. Right? Oh. <laughs> uh, and we are talking about, you know, 2003 time frame, right? People used to still pick up calls from strangers. Uh, and so uh, he picked up the call and I froze. I didn't know what to say, right? And and all I could say is, hello, is there somebody there, right? Like that kind of a thing. And then, uh, you know, fortunately, I regained my composure and, and had a chat. And my goal was, uh, how do I end this call quickly? Um, and and get to next call, schedule another call, right? That was it. And then, um, you know, somehow I did the call and uh, Miranda, I closed that deal. Good job. Oh my gosh, you closed the deal on your first call and it, it sounds like it was probably a big account too. Yeah, it, I did not close it in the first call, but I it took me multiple calls because it was, you know, we are talking about MTV, but I did in the end close the close the deal and it turned out to be one of the, one of the decent sized deal for the company. And for those that don't know, MTV used to play music videos back in the day. It was the best station ever. So I know throughout like the, you know, late 80s and 90s and probably into well into two, early 2000s, yeah. um, it was the jam. It was MTV was a very big deal. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. I so, don't know whether it exists now or not. It exists. I think it's just they do. I think they do more programming, um, you know, than they do music. Um, however, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe now they, they, maybe there's like a retro channel where you can catch some music videos. I'll have to check. <laughs> Let me do some research on that for you, Shusha, and I'll get back to you. Um, if there is an MTV uh, channel out there that plays like 90s music, I would probably like start jamming to that all day long. <laughs> so did you uh, kind of going back to your childhood a little bit? Did you grow up with a large family? Uh, no, actually, I do have a large family. Um, 
And a fun fact is I have 53 first cousins. Maran. Oh my gosh. 53? 53 first cousins. So do have a do have a large family because my parents have, have a, a few siblings. Um, but uh, my family was small. I had just one sister. And so four of us uh, growing up. Um, and uh, yeah, but it used to be fun when we used to have a marriage or, or some sort of, you know, uh, celebration event in the family and all of us would get together. Uh, that used to be super cool to hang out with your cousins and, and feel like, you know, you're a decent sized group you, <laughs> in the family itself. <laughs> 53 that's like uh you know like a small village in Michigan. <laughs> it's like, so crazy. I I I'm, I'm amazed. That's huge. Um I also have a a very large like uh I, my immediate family is probably a little bit smaller but like my cousin network and my aunts and uncles and everything it's pretty big as well. Um I know the I know that buzz and that vibe that you're talking about. That's it's a lot of fun. Um, do you, when you're again, thinking about your childhood, have any moments from your childhood or past just mapped the path that you took? Yeah, I think, um, you know, um, as I mentioned, I started, uh, my life in Delhi and then moved to Bangalore. And, uh, you know, uh, when I was growing up, Bangalore was not even a city. It was like a village, right? It was a small place. Software had still not happened, Right. Uh, so it was, uh, Delhi was the capital of India. And, uh, and so was fortunate that, you know, we used all the information first, right. And, um, and, and so, so that had, had a huge impact in terms of the exposure. You know, I, I strongly believe that humans are all, we are all product exposure that we had. And so when information comes to you, when you understand what does even having a management education mean? Right, like this engineering education, and potentially after that you do a management education, and that's how you graduate in some ways to to face the business world, right? So all of that information, at least I was fortunate to have. And so right from the beginning, um, the there was a lot of emphasis on academic rigor. That you know, uh, education was the only way out uh, to do well in life, um, and so. So it was always about how do I make profit in life? How do I get to the other end of life? Yeah, yeah. I've shared a bit about my uh, my upbringing, my childhood with uh, you. Um, I grew up in extreme poverty, um, you know, and I, my immediate family, like my mother, my father, and, you know, and folks that were very close to me, they didn't have a college education. and when I started out, um, I didn't know if that was going to be the path for me because I went and I worked in the factories. And then I took this night job, part-time job, answering phones from six to 12, six at night to midnight <laughs> uh, as a part-time job, answering phones in a call center for Amway, uh, you know, just taking orders. And I was 18 and I was like, wow, 18, 19. I want to, I want to work in an office. So that's kind of where that was sparked for me. And then, um, you know, after I had my son, I knew I needed to get a formal education if I wanted to provide a better life for him. Um, but that whole struggle and being scrappy and, and thinking like education is my way out. Um, I, I 
I kind of fell in line with that. Um, I think a lot has changed now uh, in regards to how people think about, you know, formal education or four-year degrees. I'm seeing a little bit of a shift to where, um, you know, it's not as required. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying it's not as required. Have you seen that as well? Yeah, you know, I'll I'll, uh, comment one thing on what you just said, and it goes back to the childhood question that you asked as well, which is, uh, personally, I feel like more than more than uh, the institutions where I've studied, you know, it's the it's my friend, it's my peer group that have contributed more to to my development. Um, you know, I learned more from my friends than than the college itself. Um, so so that is one thing. And then the other thing, when I was growing up, Miranda, I had interests other than academics as well. So there was a lot of emphasis on academics, but I always used to draw cartoons. Cartooning was a big thing. At one time, I thought I'll be a cartoonist, you know, drew caricature. And I was, um, you know, in my, uh, uh, in, in the institution where, in the school where I was studying, uh, I was selected as a top 10, you know, upcoming of a cartoonist. And then uh, I used to write poetry as well. Um, I participated in um, All India competition, which was, you know, the, the topic given was if I wear Shakespeare, and you had to write a 20 uh, line, um, you know, uh, poetry uh, uh, on, on that subject and uh, wrote a poem. And, uh, you know, I came, I think I came third in that, in that mission. And so I always had this, uh, this creative urge in some ways. And, and uh, that had a big impact later because somehow from, you know, in the, in the software, I started focusing more on GTM, especially on the marketing side. And uh, as you know, even in Strike Deck, I was competing against uh, a well-capitalized or well-funded company. And uh, you had to figure out innovative ways to do marketing. And so that the creative side always uh, helped me. And so, you know, going back to your question on education, I feel definitely transformation is needed on that side. Um, more, again, uh, Creative. How do you how do you bring in creative elements and fuse it to be more relevant for the business world? I think uh, a lot of rethinking needs to be done there. I completely agree. Shifting gears just a little bit, you've had a very um, long and successful career, uh, and you've done some really interesting things. I'm curious. Have you had, have you made any mistakes or, you know, what is the biggest mistake maybe that you made along the way that, that really impacted your life or you had a great learning from? And let me just quickly tell you why I'm asking you this. And I'm asking almost all my guests this, I think, you know, social media and, you know, LinkedIn and Instagram and all these social media platforms, it's always, people are always putting perfection, 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 wins and celebrations. And I personally want to uh, of course, I'm not going to change the world, but I want to change at least some people's minds and how they think about mistakes and failures and opportunities for learning um, and normalize maybe talking about it a little bit more <clears throat> to where it makes it safer for folks to understand that you don't always have to be perfect. Some of your biggest learnings come when you make a mistake or you fail. So that's why I'm asking the question. Um, do you have anything that comes to mind? You know, I have uh, done countless mistakes, Miranda. So, um, you know, and, and and that's 
that is more also because uh, you know when i am faced with uncertainty in a scenario where i don't know what's going on i prefer to jump in and iterate fail and and learn from it right that's been my philosophy so so made countless mistakes and and to always learn from that uh, you know i'll point out to two um, uh, two scenarios or or two um, learnings right that i've had one is um, overconfidence uh, you know i think a lot of us are guilty of um, we we get close to a situation we learn from it and then we become overconfident we know uh, what it takes to do that to do something to do an activity and and that leads to more mistakes right and and one example of that is uh, you know as i mentioned i did sales myself and after through that experience i said okay i'm going to start a startup and this time i know engineer i know sales i know it all right and i was so confident that you know from year 1 it will this just be a rocket ship and then uh, when i was doing that startup i realized that doing sales by yourself is one thing managing a sales team is another thing <laughs> and so so uh managing sales team is not easy right the more sales behavior is not easy and and so it took me more years to learn that right first of all to add that i don't know enough then and then learn right so um yeah be very wary of being overconfident um, at the same time it's very very important to be confident to do well in life right that's one um the the second experience I would like to share is it's just in managing a team managing people right it took me um, many years to understand that every human has superpowers just need to figure out a, how to provide a platform where they can excel they can leverage that superpower but every human has right and so and this is more important for for all the startup founders we tend to benchmark the entire team you know using us as an example right us as a standard and found them wanting we find them wanting right um and it's 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 because we are doing wrong comparison right we need to figure out what's the strength and how do we uh, how do we enable them to to leverage it right and so um that's something that i've done uh, that's a mistake i've committed in few startup i'm hoping to you know uh, leverage what i've learned in my future endeavors. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I think those are amazing lessons and hopefully anyone listening would agree and um it prompted thought in me. Um you know, I have a team, I have a team that I manage and I want to do a better job of trying to help them find their superpowers and giving them a platform. So that's immediately where my brain went. I started thinking, I'm like, "Oh, I wonder what so and so superpower is and how can I, you know, how can I help them grow that and, you know, shine, you know, shine in front of the company or shine wherever they want to shine. Um so thank you for prompting that thought. Um what what do you want your legacy to be? Uh can you repeat that again Miranda? What? Yeah, what what do you want your legacy to be? when you know, years and years and years like 100 years from now when people think about Shreesha what do you want them to remember you for enabler um enabler empathetic um i 
truly enjoy meeting people. Miranda, I think you, you'd already know about this. Uh, I love connecting people. Uh, it it um, is very satisfying. It's very satisfying to go and meet people without any agenda. Because if you're meeting people with an agenda, you're trying to force that into the conversation. And so I've learned that uh, when you go out without an agenda, you meet people, you have fun in the conversation, and you uh, learn a lot. Um, no meeting is Every meeting contributes to your personality. And so I want people to remember me as, as somebody um, who was an enabler, who tried his best to do things for them. I, I think that it's safe to say, based on what I know, that you've already achieved that. Oh, thank um, you. You're welcome. Hey, last question that I want to wrap up with, okay? And this is kind of a fun one. Uh, if you could have dinner with any two people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Yeah, this is where I'll not come across as a, a super fun uh, person because it'll be a very stereotyped uh, choices. Uh, so it will be Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and the reason is not because they have what they have achieved in life, but because of the mistakes they have done. I want to hear in what went through them when they were faced with different controversies. How did they handle it? And, uh, and how did they keep going uh, in spite of all the challenges? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that would be a fascinating dinner um, that I would actually like to be at myself. <laughs> so Wonderful. Shisha, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy person, so it is such an honor to have you here. And I'm sure many people will appreciate the value that you brought today. So thank you so much. And again, appreciate you. No, always great to chat with you, Miranda, and appreciate it. All right. Thank take care. Bye. Thanks for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of From There to Here. Check back weekly for new episodes. For more conversations about this episode and more, please feel free to follow Miranda on LinkedIn. See you soon.